0: This is my favorite part. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Friday. I'm Amy Izzo. Uh, I am in the Midwest, my realtor in Indiana and Illinois. So, and we're cold today. So, I hope someone out there is, is somewhere warmer. Um, welcome to Agent Power Huddle. Today we're going to talk about overcoming seller objections. That's what we're going to talk about because hopefully. We're out there finding lots of listings, lots of sellers. Listings are the way to make money. (laughs) Lots of listings. Um, That doesn't mean buyers aren't important. They are, but we need some more listings. So I'm going to share my screen here. Um, By the way, you can watch this on YouTube. You can watch us everywhere and get your favorite podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the good places. Now, if I could just get my, there it is. You guys can see that, I hope. All righty. Slideshow. What am I doing wrong? Uh, You know what? I can sell some houses, but ask me to work some technology. Some days I'm really good at it, and some days I really stink. Today, I guess I stink. Why am I not pulling up my slideshow like I want to? What am I doing wrong? It should just tell me. All right, well, you're just going to to look at it like this. So we're going to talk about, can you see that okay, Lisa? Okay, great. Perfect. Thank you. So, all right. So, today we're going to talk about a bunch of different objections that I run into all the time when prospecting sellers. Some of these I get on the phone. Some of these I get in person. And so, I'll just try to hit that as we go. Um, If you're here live, thank you. Some of you are here live. uh, Just feel free to pop a question in the chat. Somebody help me with that. Um, If you can't. Oh, it's under view. Thanks, Lisa. You could just say, Amy, you stick. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm trying to do. That's what I was trying to do. Thank you for Lisa. Okay. I don't need technology skills. I don't. I just need to be able to sell a lot of houses. So, um, all right. So we're going to talk about uh, objection number one. I get this all the time when I'm prospecting sellers is... I want a house before I put mine on the market. And I want to say I feel like I get this more now than ever before, because the big bad fear is I'm not going to find a house. I'm going to have to move twice. I'm going to be homeless. I tell all my clients, hey, I'm eight years in and nobody's ever been homeless, even over the last crazy 24 months almost that we've had in real estate. So no one's ever been homeless. There's lots of strategies to take care of that. So An objection, sometimes I think our mindset around objections is that they're saying no. They're not saying no. An objection is not a no. And that's one thing that we just have to accept as a mindset. An objection is, I need more information. There's a question on their mind that I didn't answer for them. Or if I feel like I did answer it, I didn't answer it well enough. Because it's still a question. And that's okay. That's not Amy's not bad. That's not that I missed anything or I did anything wrong or all the things that come into our mind. It's just we have to have more conversation. So I have to answer more questions or, or we've uncovered something in their question or their objection that we just didn't realize was a concern for them. Maybe we had a beautiful conversation or a magnificent appointment and we're like getting the paperwork out and they're like, well, wait a minute. It's just because we didn't uncover that. We didn't properly answer it for them. So now's the opportunity. So I always like to keep uh, my clients in a yes state because that's positive. I go in positive. I like them to be positive. So I, to keep them in a yes state, so I always find a way to agree with them, even when I disagree with them. And in this one, I don't necessarily disagree with the client. It's that's not this isn't that kind of an objection, but just in general, I always there's always a way to agree with them or a piece you can agree on. So when they say, "I want to house, I want to get a house before I put mine on the market," I'm like, "Awesome, I agree." Many of my clients have found that finding a home first and moving into into it allows them to transition to the new home much easier, right? Because by the way, they could do that, right? If they don't need the equity from their home for the new home, and maybe I don't know the answer to that question, right? So then they could do that. And I don't care in which order they do it. What I find though, is that the majority of my clients at least aren't able to do that. They need this equity, or even if they are able, they are nervous about two mortgages. Regardless of their financial status, they don't really want to carry two mortgages. So so that I found a way to agree with them, and I'm like, out of curiosity, no one ever gets mad at me for being curious. I learned this years ago from a great mentor, and I have used it like you wouldn't believe. So out of curiosity. Would you need to move the net proceeds or the profit from the sale of this house to the new one? Or do you have all the dollars set aside for your purchase? And then I shut up. Now, that's a very direct question. I'm not, sometimes agents say, well, I feel nosy when I ask them about money in the bank. I had just asked them without for money about money in the bank without going like how much money you got, right? Without being intrusive. I just want to guide them through the process. That's it. This leads to a whole conversation then around what they need to do. If they tell me, nope, I don't need the net proceeds. And I've got money in the bank for the new purchase. I'm like, great, let's go right into the buyer consult, right? And let's talk about what that would look like to buy a house now. And let's put a plan together for me to help you find a house. And then when you move, we'll list the house, right? we have that. We have that conversation. And then that could go in a lot of directions. Right. That, that could be exactly the plan that they want. Or as we talk about time frame and moving, they may decide sometimes they decide they want to list that house a little bit sooner. Um, also, time of year. So this allows me to talk to them about, hey, I can do that. I can do this plan for you. But if I was having this conversation now in almost May, I would tell folks, hey, while I sell houses 12 months out of the year, even at Christmas time, I'm never slow, you guys. Do I slow down? Yes. And that's not because I'm special or unique. It's just the same activities, right? We do the same activities every day, year round, and we have business but I have a higher level of business because there's more traffic this time of year. So I'll give them that information you know, as a part of that conversation. So this objection is really just a question. I'm gonna agree with them. I'm gonna dig in with them more to learn. Um, now I will say this, which is not on the slide, Sometimes what this objection leads to um, is the other the other answer where they say, well, I do need the net proceeds from my house to buy the next house. I'm going to rely on those dollars. Many people say, but I'll just write a contingency on the new house. Then we'll list the house. Well, In my head, I'm like, good luck with that. No one's taking contingencies. They're just not. Now that I said that, there's one person on the earth that took one. But it's just not the norm. It's a rarity right now. So I say to them, I understand that that was a normal process for many years. Matter of fact, I was doing that clear up until the end of 2019. But as we got into 2020 and the market really shifted hard, Um, What we have seen is that sellers have so many options they don't have to take contingencies. So you will you may find yourself wasting your time because you're writing offers. And even though your offer may be the best offer, the one thing that makes it unattractive is that the seller of that property has to take the risk on that you can and will not only sell this house, but close on it. You are much better off to be under contract you know, and through things like inspection, et cetera, when we're writing offers on the new place. So it just allows another level of conversation so that we can talk about what will work for them. Once I have that conversation, the next, typically after I answer any follow-up questions, the next thing they want to do with me is put together the plan to list and get, and and get pre-approved for the new purchase. So I would say this is a great question that comes over. Um, this is a great, a great question objection that comes over all the time, and I love it because it's just an opportunity to learn more and dig deeper. Okay, all right, next one. Where will I live? This is kind of tied to the other one. I cancel my house first report because I'll be homeless. I think I kind of covered that in the first one. I I forgot I had a second slide on it. Um, so. So this is really just about strategy, right? So if they say this to me again, or someone says it to me like this, I may say, I understand, I get it, right? Which is a form of agreement, you guys, All right. I didn't say you're right, but I, I understand, right? I'm empathizing, it's a form of agreement. And I'll just say something like, many of my clients have the same fear. What they have found is with the right strategy in place, we can make sure you make a smooth transition from this house to your next home without scrambling for housing, without having to move twice. I'm real clear about that. And then I give them examples. Now, what I also tell them is what I can usually in my two markets in my two states, I can usually buy them about 90 days. So let's talk through that really quick. Once they're Once their house goes under contract, one of the things we do is we make sure we're saying, and I'm sure lots of you do this too, that we're listing the house contingent upon seller finding a home of their choice, right? So everyone knows that when they come to look at it, I make sure when we're negotiating offers that the winning offer knows that as well and that they're on board with that and we understand their situation. And typically then depending on that buyer situation, once we get them under contract, we're 30 to 45 days to close, assuming it's not cash. Really, most lenders can close in 30, but we can push them to 45. And then it's just options. Can we buy them another 60 days? Um, either in a rent back situation. And I tell them, you're going to have to rent it back. We might be able to negotiate you some free time, but you're not getting 60 days free, right? So I, I go over all of that with seller now, but there are strategies. And what I tell them, even though you don't see a lot on the market now, even if you saw the home, you can't get it right now because you need your sold. So here's what will happen. There will be the home. For you, once we get this one under contract and you can actually move and we can really be serious. Now, I do prepare them. I'm like, look, if for some reason, it's a very rare thing. We got to, you know, the closing and then we got you another 60 days. So we're like 90 days out from the time you accepted the contract and you really didn't find a home that buyer is going to want or need to move in by that 61st day after closing. So in that case, we do need, if we think that's a possibility, we do need to talk about, do you have a plan B? And even people that are like, I don't want to be homeless. And I tell people, I don't have any homeless people. Like we always find a solution. That's true. Um, And I try really hard. And I tell people this, I try really hard to make sure that you don't move twice. And very few of my clients have to move twice. Because what I'm saying is true. Once we get them in a position, they can make an offer. And we're really looking. They typically do find something, even if it's in the 11th hour. But they have to be prepared. And that's our job is to prepare them for you know, what could happen if they're super picky or, or they're not, but it's just not the house that they really want to spend money on. They may end up having to make other arrangements and move twice. And I want them to know that before we sign the listing contract. So we talked about it. So the first two are tied together, but they come up all the time. All right. Objection number three. Not now. I can't. You can't come to my house now because I'm remodeling. I love this. one. This is when I'm calling and I'm like, hey, I want you to invite me over (laughs) so that I can help you get your house ready to sell. And they're like, no, we're remodeling. The house is so dirty. I'm a mom. I have a million kids. It's a mess. You can't come look at it. I'm like, hey, I'm a mom right? And if you're not a mom or a dad, right? If you're not, you got kids in your life. You understand what hectic lives are like. You you understand hectic, right? So you can say it any way you want. But I'm always like, when they say that, I'm always like, great. Tell me what projects you're working on. That's the first thing I want to know. What are you doing? You know? And then they'll tell me about all the things they're going to do and how they need to replace this one pull on a drawer that, by the way, in this market, nobody cares about. <laughs> okay. So, but then, they'll, or they'll tell me the real stuff, like the bathroom is disgusting, you know, or, um, or I'm in the middle of the kitchen remodel, or we're considering this, doing this one thing. Sometimes the things they're considering to do really make a difference, right? And add a value or will help sell it. But sometimes. They don't matter, right? So I let them tell me all the projects and I take notes and I'm like, sounds awesome. No matter what they tell me, sounds awesome. And that's my word. So you use yours, but I'm like, sounds awesome. And I just tell them many of my clients have found if they invite me over while they're doing their projects or even before they start, right? Invite me over, right? I'm not there to sell them anything. Just I'm a friend. I want you to invite me over, invite me over. While you're doing your projects, or even before you start your projects, that will actually help you net more money when you sell your house. Oh, why is that, Amy? How can inviting you over before this kitchen is done um, and that net me more money? Well, because I'm going to tell you when I get there what it is you really need to do and what it is maybe you don't need to do, even if it's something you would want done for yourself. Or for the, the buyer, we want to have a conversation around what adds value and what monies do you get back? Because at this point, this is a business transaction, right? We want to net you the most with the least amount of effort. That doesn't mean a bad job, though, so that you can... Move that money and you can get to your next goal, right? Your next house in the timeframe yet you want in the way that you want. So these are the conversations I'm having with them. And, you know, and I'll usually tell them like, I have knowledge, right? This is what I do all day. So I have knowledge around what improvements add value, what improvements don't add value, what buyers may need or want, what amenities competing properties have. So if you invite me over and show me everything, I can tell you what I know. I can show you what's going on in the market. You And, I, and you may be surprised. So it, what you really need to do to sell your house for top dollar. Now that can go the other way too. Sometimes I don't want to do anything and they need to. So I have one like this now. And so what I've been able to show her and she had to learn a little lesson too, because I'll list it any way they want me to. That's fine. So, but I tell them what I think is going to happen. So I have one now that I listed that I told her, you're not going to get the dollar. She's like, I don't want the top dollar. I want this other number. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't even think you're getting that because the place is filthy and the floors need to be redone and it's bad. It's just not good. And you could net 30,000 more if you put 10 grand into it, right? And so just cleaned it and refinished the floors and changed out these silly appliances and a couple of things. And she says, no, 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 no. And sure enough, she got lowballed a whole bunch of offers from investors who were going to come in and put the money in and flip it. And I showed her all your competing properties that are getting the other dollar. This is what they have, it's like I showed you when we listed it this way. So, what did she do? Temporarily took it off the market, updating it. We're going to go back on the market at a much higher dollar, but she had to learn a lesson. So, those are the conversations I'm having. Um, if they say, if I'm there with them, sometimes they'll say um, that they do they they, they really want to do this certain project or they really want to finish the project. And so they're, they're not ready to put the to do the paperwork with me. And I'm like, I always tell them, I'm like, no worries. We'll do the paperwork for when you're ready. Let's let's put a timeline together to keep us all accountable and we can change it. So right now I have a contract or listing contract signed for June right? And I have had that sign since February. Well, that's because she really needs to paint, but to get to do these projects, she has to move out. So she really needs to paint. She really needs to do some electrical. She really needs carpeting. So I'm like, when I was there and she's like, well, I'm really not ready to listen. I'm like, great, let's complete the paperwork. Now let's put a timeline together of when you think you'll be ready. I'll go working on the marketing and then I'll follow up with you. And then we'll be ready to, we'll be ready to start showing it for her. It was mid June. So whatever that conversation whatever that timeline is, um, get the paperwork done, get it done and get them emotionally connected to you. And I fell up with her. I talked to her once a week since February. <laughs> um, just check in how are, things are going. Oh, do I know an electrician? Sure, I do. Oh, did you need that painter? Sure, I do. So just kind of just chatting with her once a week. So and she'll list in June. And that's exciting. So there we go. Build that pipeline. You're not going out of business anytime soon, are you? No, you're not. So what do you care if you sign contracts for June, July, August, or September? Do it. So, all right. Oh, I love this one. How much do you charge? How much is your... Okay, well, I love everything about it, but what are you going to charge me? So there's a couple of ways to go about this. And by the way, if you get a pit in your stomach when you hear me say, how much do you charge? Throw that in the garbage. This is a service that you provide, right? We're no different. Then any other service, we'd go out and contract attorneys, whatever. I know if I need an attorney for something, I got to retain them. And they, before they do anything other than a short consult, I got to write them a big fat check, right? So I'm not saying I'm an attorney. I am not. I'm just saying my services, my knowledge are just as professional as any of these other um, professions out there that we're, where we're used to just talking about our fees. So I just talk about my fees. Look, they either want me or they don't, right? They either want me or they don't. So couple of strategies for this that I have found to be very helpful because i didn't like having this conversation in the beginning I really still don't I, you know what I like I like when we had such a good appointment that I just have it already written in my contract and I just go skim over it with them like I cover it but i but we just they don't even ask me about it that's what I really like and that happens sometimes but a lot of times this question happens so a couple of ways to do it number one You can use a listing matrix. I love a listing matrix. A listing matrix allows... You just make a document, right? Just make a document. Um, And I'll get one Lisa off to you so that you can share. You just... um, give them options so it says my fees are i'm going to make this up 5 6 and 7% and for 5% here's a list of services and for 6% here's a list of services and for 7% here's a list of services you pick real estate is the one business where consumers don't feel like they have choice of course they do commission is negotiable of course they have choice i love to just give them a choice i have an agent i coach that gives them four choices she has four four options so there's no right or wrong to do it i gave her mine Here's my three columns. Here's what I do. Here's what I talk about. And she changed it. She's like, well, I do something different. So she has four choices. Um, I think she has a four and a half, five and a half, and six and a half percent. That's what she likes. And it's just based on the services. So when a client when a client says, how much do you charge? She goes, here's what I charge. And she puts out the matrix. And she's like, the beauty of it is you can pick the level of service that you want. When you have three choices, and I think she finds this too, even though there's four, you usually find that them picking the middle pretty often. You, most people do not pick the lowest and we might think that they will. And it's real hard for them to not pick the highest. Like they go back and forth and they pick the middle on, oh, because it's it's fear of missing out. You're creating a little FOMO for them. Like, Well, for this amount, you could get these extra things, but for this amount, you don't. And that's okay. Like, I don't care which option you pick. I'm going to serve you to this level that I've just told you, right, based on which one you pick. So you tell me what you want me to do. They decide. That's one way to do it. Um, Sometimes I just tell them, my fee is 3%. As a listing agent, that's my fee. My fee is 3%. Then together, we put together a commission for the buyer's agent. And we talk through that. What I like that to be 3%. I like the buyer's agent to get 3%. Uh, we talk through that. I show them, um, hey, in our MLS, here's the houses that you would be, we would be competing against or that just recently went in our contract. Here were the different commissions because uh, it's it's in our state. So check your state. In our in both of my states that I'm in, it's the buyer's uh, agency commission is, is visible. So everybody, and, and I will tell people what it is anyway. When in our contracts, when we write our contracts, I have to say, we're charging 6% and 3% is going to me and 3% is going to the buyer's agent. So that's all visible so that the client understands and knows and agrees there, this is a negotiated number. So we negotiate it. Um, So I just tell them, this is what I charge. We have to also pay the buyer's agent. So we need a fee for the buyer's agent too. That makes your total commission 6%. That's what we do. So um, I love the listing matrix. Um, That is my favorite way to do it. So, already I'll sell it on my own. Objection number five. I'm just going to sell it on my own and I will save some money. And I'm like, I get it. Like I would never tell, I would tell people this all the time. I would, I didn't write this down, but I will just tell you what I say all the time. One thing I say all the time is I would never tell you you can't sell your home on your own. You absolutely can't. I completely understand your desire to save money, but I'm like, I know this is the thing to use this objection handler. You guys, you have to know how much the house is going to sell for, right? How much you really believe you can sell for Cause I'll insert the correct number. So I'll say, if I can show you how I can net you an additional $10,000 after you pay me, would you be open to that conversation? Shut up after that, let them talk. Right. Well, People don't say, no, I won't talk to you if I can, you can net me an extra 10, 20, $30,000, right? Whatever the number is $5,000. The number doesn't matter. This is just one example. I make it all about the data. Once they say yes, then when I show them, I make it all about the data. So I show them how they're priced, what the market says. I never price a home. The market and the seller prices the home. I just help them because I have the tools, the knowledge, and the guidance. I discuss how their home is priced. I show them what it should sell for. A lot of times your FISBOs are underpriced. And even if they're not underpriced, they're priced right where they should be, perfectly priced they, unless they're, you know, unless they have all of the skills, like they're an expert negotiator and they have all of the skills, there are places in this transaction where they're going to lose money. And the realtor that brings them, the buyer is not paid to represent them. They're negotiating against them. So those are things I tell them, you know, and without, not to offend them, but these are things I tell them also, do you, are you aware? One thing I say to them is we're in a multiple offer market. Are you aware of all of the different strategies you can put in to net more money in this market or get a higher price price and sustain that in this market? You know, things like appraisal gaps right? Are they, you know, those are things that I'm asking for on my listings, even if offers are coming in without them, I'm asking for them. I am you know, to make sure that my seller's protected. If this, we, we accept an offer that we know it's not going to appraise there, or we feel strongly that it won't appraise there to one, get the buyer in the house. If they have the dollars, and they're willing to do it. And two, to net the seller, the most money, that's what I'm paid to do. My FISBO clients don't always understand that. Um, I show them how I save them money in the process on inspections with as is, with all the different contingencies. I bring examples. If you don't have an example of a FISBO you helped and you netted more, somebody in your circle and your brokerage does, get with them and use theirs. Use theirs. It's an example of how our company did this. This is what we do at our company. You can take credit for that until you have your own. one. Ex- I have examples from the last 12 months where I have helped people net between 10. And believe it or not, I was shocked at this one, $50,000 more than they were willing to accept. They had their house severe, this that one at 50000 more, they had their house severely underpriced and we're going to sell it to a friend down the street. You know, and I'm like, look, it's not that I don't want your friend to have it. I know there's times where people do things like that, but she was not aware. She was not aware what she could get for it. And the friend did not buy it. And we did sell it for 50,000 more. So she netted a lot of money that she never had known that she could net. So anyway, I love this one. Um, I'm going to skim through this one really fast. Will you cut your commission? Because other agents will. I'm like, no. This is one time where I lead with no, no. And I will say, you're right. A lot of agents are willing to cut their commissions. And that really concerns me. And and basically, I'm getting through this line of questioning. I'm getting to your home is the most valuable thing you own. If your agent that you hire isn't willing to negotiate for you, isn't willing to negotiate a salary for themselves, how an appropriate salary for themselves. How do you think they're going to negotiate an appropriate price, an appropriate net number for you, appropriate terms and conditions for you if they aren't comfortable negotiating their own salary and they can't push through that? Why are they going to go over and above? And if you pay me one percent or some silly number, do you think I'm pulling out all the stops really working as hard as I can for you and putting my own money and risk out on the line before you ever close. The answer is no, you know, the, even the most saintly agent in the world, the answer is no. So I just tell, I just tell them, you know, is that who you want working for you? If so, we're not a great fit. It's okay. Like I wish you the best. Usually that's not who they want working for them. And if it is you guys, that's great. You just dodged a bullet. Awesome. Okay. Um, we're getting to the end. Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to run through a couple more. So if you have to go, I, I understand, but I'm going <laughs> to run through a couple more. Um, Oh, did you, my friend's going to buy it. This is great. I always tell them I'm not afraid of exclusion. So if you guys are afraid or don't like to do an exclusion, I always tell them no problem. Great. I'm like, the first thing I say to them, my friend's going to buy it. Great. Did your friend make you an offer? No. Okay, great. Usually it's no. And I'm like, okay, did they put that? Or if they say yes, I'm like, did they put that in writing? No. Great. Give me your name, your friend's name and number. I'll call them. We'll give them first dibs. That's one thing that I say. And they're like, what? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'll get, we'll give them first dibs. And then, or I'll say, here's what we can do. I'll include an exclusion. We'll list your property. We'll notify your friend, right? That your list that you've listed your property when you list it. If they don't make an offer, if they make an offer in the first 24 hours in the market, I'll reduce my fee. I have a number. I'll reduce my fee. Um, either way, they're gonna, I'm not doing it for free, just so you guys know. I don't work for free. So um, if not, we move full speed ahead. So you can make sure you take advantage of all the offers in the market. Um, I do also like to talk to them about. Hey, I want your friend to buy it but is it important to more important to you that your friend buys it or that you net the most sometimes the money isn't important to them so it's a it's a valid question most of the time though it's they want to net the most and sell it to the friend. i'm like great so you should put it out to the, to the open market your friend should be able to bid along with everybody else if they're the best they get it if it's more important to sell to the friend versus the net Great. Then we'll sell to the front. We can even do a private sale. We'll sell We'll sell to the front under a private sale and I'll be happy to represent them through that. There's still the same process to go through. Inspections. I always tell people, I don't care if it's your mom. When you're running through a business transaction, the person going to live in the house wants to know it's safe to live in and appraises. They didn't overpay. It always comes down to business, even with friends, maybe especially with friends. So- I can. Uh, the, this one, too, is when people want to overprice their house. I love this. I'll lower my price later. Um, I I tell them I understand you want top dollar for your home. I want that, too. Like nobody wants it more than me. Right. Because if you make more, I make more. Right. And that's truth. And I'm, I'm fine to tell them that that's the truth. They I always tell people, too, they should pay me on a percent. It's not a flat fee. Right. Not that I I feel like I would work just as hard, but wouldn't I work harder? Don't you think? If I have to really work to get you the most money I can, so and get it all the way through the process, I would say so. But it but I do go over with them. Let's just take into account how homes are sold, and I talk to them about even if a buyer offered you a million dollars, you know, or a hundred thousand dollars more than you're selling your property for, it still has to appraise. Right. We have to get through appraisal. And there's a lot of if then scenarios we can cover. And I walk them through each one so they understand not only the process, but then we're trying to think about a buyer that we don't have, what their ability to pay is and what their willingness to pay more than value is. So there's a lot of variables here. I do say if they really want to test the market and try a higher price, I am willing to do that after I explain to them what the market says, and all of these all of these things that could happen, but I have an agreement with them, and I that we write into the contract that says if you're in this market, I used to say 14 days. In this market, I say, look, if you don't have an offer in eight days and or appropriate traffic to secure an offer, we should lower your price by X amount of dollars, which would be whatever whatever the the correct price for the market should be. And I have them put that in a further conditions on the contract or an am- or an amendment to the current addendum to the contract so that we have that agreement up front. Now, I never lower a person's price without calling them first. But we have that agreement up front. We sign off on that and then we move forward. That way they get to test the market. And if their their uh, test doesn't work, we get to do it my way. Makes sense? My friend is an agent. This is another one that I really, really, really love. My friend is an agent. I need to sell with my friend. They're an agent. I'm like, great. I appreciate your loyalty to your friend. I have tons of respect for people that have that quality. Just out of curiosity, let me ask you, has there ever been a time where you decided to buy something because a friend said, hey, buy it or for me, no problem. I can help you. And then the end, you didn't really check around and then you just didn't really get what you wanted. You just bought with your friend because it's your friend. And everyone has a time like that. I'm like, great. Well, this is a time just like that, except it's your most valuable asset in the world. Um, Would it be okay if I just come over and give you a second opinion? So and usually they'll invite me over. Do I always get it? No, but I get it a lot of the time. I get it a lot of the time. So um, my friend is an agent. Great. And then no updates as is objection number 10. I just want to sell it as is like everybody else. Sometimes this is okay, and I agree with them. But after I see the house, if it really needs paint, if it really needs some things, I really just say I agree with them. Absolutely get it. I love all the stories that we're hearing about people that just put their house on the market and just sold it as and did nothing out of curiosity, right? You could see I use this language a lot. If you could sell your house for 20,000 more, 10,000 more, you guys change the number based on where you're at by making some small improvements like paint or fresh carpet or even getting the carpeting clean, would you want to know about that? Oh, yes, I would. Okay, great. Let me show you what's going on in the market. So then I just show them evidence of what a house would sell for without those improvements and what it could sell for with those improvements. And I'm like, now you decide. Just giving people choices is all we really want to do. Those are my top 10 objections with sellers. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. I'm sure there's a ton more objections out there. Get used to thinking about objections. It's just questions you haven't answered. Just answer them the best to the best of your ability. You'll get, the more you do this, the better you get at it. Make my scripts, your scripts, change the language, say what you would say um, and just practice, 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 practice. And you got it. Dance party time. Have a great weekend.